Bridge the City. Welcome to Bridge the City, a podcast recorded in a truly important American city, and that is Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Our mission on the podcast is to bridge together people, resources, and ideas that inspire Milwaukee to action. My name is Kyle Hagee, and today we are joined by a special co-host, Ashley Benson. That's right. My name is Ashley Benson, and I had the honor to sit down with Kyle as we interviewed Milwaukee Public School Board Director Paula Phillips. That's right. We sat down with Director Phillips, obviously to shed light on her own career and her own background, but also to answer the elusive question, what exactly is a school board? Like most people, we had little idea on what this very important body does, controls a lot of money. Uh, it really makes a, a huge impact in the community, and people don't know what it does. People don't know what a school board director does, and so we wanted to make sure that that information was available to you all. Absolutely. So before we pass the mic to Director Phillips, we want to highlight the timing of this episode because there will be school board elections alongside other important offices coming up right around the corner. That is a great point, Ashley. Way to bring that up. What a coincidence. On Bridges City, we're always talking about civic engagement, so this is a perfect opportunity to link a very important interview, a very important body with a tangible action step, and that is go out and vote. The elections are coming up. This interview is going to help you understand what a school board does, and then you can take that information and actually put it into action by participating in our great American democracy. And so the first step, there is a primary on February 19th. That really is right around the corner. That's right around the corner. And that's only for District 8. You're like, Kyle, what is District 8? Bam, action step. Go on the internet. Go look it up. Figure out what district you're in. If it's 8, you show up on February 19th. Okay, you fill in a little oval. Some person will be there. You give it to the person. Actually, I think you drop it in a box. Follow the instructions. Don't do voter fraud or anything like that. But you do that. Your vote is counted. You keep American democracy going strong. Then April 2nd. This is the spring general election. So this is for everyone because there will be positions for the school board that are at-large positions, meaning everyone in the city votes on them. So you will have a school board position to vote on come April 2nd alongside other offices. So please get that on your calendar. One of the big things is the school board turnout is can be really, really low. Like we've heard 8%. Whoa. All right. Presidential turnouts might be 60, which again, that's a whole other issue in American yeah. politics. But 8%, we can all agree that's too low for something that controls a $1.1 billion budget. And so the school board election, you have actually an outsized influence on because not a lot of people turn out. So if you're turning out, if you're telling your friends to turn out, you're telling random strangers to turn out, you're telling maybe your enemies, depending on how they might vote. Right, right. If you're telling them to turn out, you're going to have a big influence. We're going to see that 8% bump up. We're going to get more people civically engaged, and it's going to result in better MPS schools. That's awesome. Well, I know what I'm doing. (laughs) Um, All of this is to say, clearly, this is a very important and timely issue because February 19th is a week away. Yes. Um, And we really couldn't have found a more inspiring person to discuss the school board than Director Phillips. So enjoy this conversation. Enjoy. My name is Paula Phillips, and I'm the school board director for Milwaukee Public Schools in District 7. Awesome. And before we dive into your current role, 
Um, we'd love to hear what brought you to this point, and could you tell us about your background and how it led you to the position you're in today? Sure. So I'm a first-generation American. My parents both came from the Philippines, but they actually met in Japan. So my dad was a Marine, so they met in Okinawa on the base, and my mom uh, was in an all women's cover band like in the 80s oh, awesome. so they covered <laughs> 80s songs an 80s covers band but that was popular music then right so they're just a cover band and they met there and eventually ended up stateside so um, public schools were really important to me growing up because I feel like it really did allow myself my sister to have opportunities that my parents didn't have being new immigrants folks that didn't go to college um, and I say that because it's really sad to me that that isn't always true anymore. Uh, and I thought it was true for everybody. I really did think that, like, anyone can pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Like, that's what I saw my parents do. So I thought that was available to everybody in the States. But actually, when I did City Year in Chicago, which was in 2009, it was the first time that I was struck with this idea that that isn't actually available to everyone and that we have systems in place when it comes to what education's available, what housing's available for folks, uh, what jobs are available to different people that prevent them from having the opportunities that my parents had. And so when I served, I was actually focused on civic engagement, organizing different volunteer opportunities for different people to go to different areas in Chicago. And it was cool because I got to go to a lot of the different schools um, on the South Side, West Side, um, and seeing how that experiment of like near peer mentor really worked. So I did that, really loved AmeriCorps, came to Milwaukee, did Public Allies, um, where, which is an incredible leadership opportunity, being able to see all the different neighborhoods in town. And I worked with refugee resettlement. So once again, seeing how like all these other systems overlap to affect vulnerable populations. So did that, worked at City Air for a while in Milwaukee, went back to school, um, thought I was going to go off and like make a lot of money and be a consultant, uh, <laughs> studied econ. And, and I thought I was like, okay, I'm going to make a lot of money, save it. And then I'm going to come back to the nonprofit world because that's where my heart is. But like, I need that nest egg because... You know, like, that's what being an adult is about. And it just, it, it, it sounded right. And then before I was finishing up my degree, one of my friends passed away. And it's, like, really reframed the way that I live because it makes me think I really want people to know that I care about empowering women and children and making the world a better place. Like, what am I doing every day so that if I get, like, hit by a bus, that people know that. And... um I knew that the person that was currently on the school board was thinking about not running. And then I took the time to just talk to different people that were involved in education. You know, like, what does this role look like? What's the time commitment? What does that mean? You know, I don't, I don't have kids. You know, I, you know, have, have been a traditional teacher, but I've done educational work in other areas. Am I even qualified to do this? Right. And it was really interesting because I think my experience of going through a strong public education system, living in Milwaukee for um, the time that I had and seeing different parts of the city and having like an econ background with thinking about systems uniquely made my voice relevant for today. So, um, and luckily the voters thought that too. So I got elected to the school board in 2017 and 
I'm working on my second full school year, but this is actually the third budget that I'll be voting on. So when you did decide to run, how did you build out your team? Mm-hmm. And what experiences on the campaign trail have really helped inform you now that you are elected? So I've been involved in politics since I was, I, I think, young because my parents like talked about voting. We always had those civic sort of voting in school the first campaign I worked on was a state senator campaign in Illinois when I was a teenager and then worked as like a ballot worker. So it's always something that I've cared about and been involved in. So um, I built out my team thinking about, okay, who really knows how to campaign well? So like getting to meet voters, how do you build out that strategy? Who can help me think about communicating my story because before people ask me oh why are you running for school but I'm like oh like kids are really important and I think this is imperative and something needs to happen now and they're like okay like I think a lot of people feel that way but like (laughs) does what are you really trying to get at so helping somebody um like through there's a program called new politics um that thinks about AmeriCorps volunteers Peace Corps volunteers people that have been in the military to think about the fact that you've been serving a long time, and this is just an extension of your service, which really helped me think about that. Um, you have to raise money. So somebody that was good at events that could help me raise money. And also just people that I really deeply trusted. So if I was operating in a way that wasn't true to my values, people that could really challenge me, if I was thinking that you know, the whole world was ending, or if I thought that I was the greatest thing ever, that they could always keep that check and balance. So that's kind of how I built out my team. What did you learn on the campaign trail? And maybe talking to your neighbors and really doing those door-to-door knocking that like helped you then as a representative know that this is what my constituents think and here's how I'm really going to represent them. Mm -hmm. So I live on the southwest side of Milwaukee. So if you look at a map of Milwaukee, it goes out into Greenfield, West Dallas, um, Borders Tosa. It's like this kind of like claw around 94 West. And what was really interesting going door to door was realizing that everybody really does care about the kids. People think that, like, why don't kids now have like arts or if I add the way that my kids did? I think people are really concerned about understanding how things work in MPS. So there are a lot of things that are really confusing. Like, why can't my kid get into the school that is five blocks away from me? Or it's like, why is my special needs child not being cared for the way that I want them to, Mm -hmm. right? It's not considered, it's like, it's a care issue. And why is it that when I try to make sure that my kid gets to school on time and does all these different things and I'm working my hardest that like I can't communicate well with the people in the building and understand that like I'm trying the best that I can or you know like why is the food so bad you know <laughs> just like all of these different things and it it people are so passionate about schools and it made me really think that like if I can continue to tap in to my neighbors and like continue to listen it's going to drive the work that I do so um I mean, we like if you've been in schools, you're like, okay, school school lunch isn't that great. One of the first things I worked on as a school board director, which completely came out of the community, was around nutrition. So there was an active um, moms group, uh, the MTEA, a hunger task force, all of these people that were already meeting about this, thinking about this, and trying to figure out like how things can improve. 
And I think that's something that I really try to find as a school board director. Like, where are people already organizing? Where are people already identifying gaps so that I can leverage my position to get those things to move a little bit quicker and a little bit more efficiently? I think a lot of people in in the city, myself included, sometimes we're, like, clueless on, like, what even is a school board? Like, what does that look like? Like, who... I'm voting for these people, but what do they really do? Why should I, like, care about this? So could you just give us a kind of a crash course of, like, what is the school board? Mm -hmm. What are all the directors responsible for? And what are the policies or the initiatives that come out of the school board that affect, you know, the city and the education system? Sure. So the school board in Milwaukee, there are eight different districts and one at-large member, so it's a nine-body board, that I think the biggest responsibilities are hiring the superintendent, uh, passing a budget, and then overseeing the district and being responsive to the people that elect them. So um, those are citizens of Milwaukee. And uh, what's interesting is that not everybody that's a citizen of Milwaukee has a everyday touch point to a school, meaning they don't have a child that attends Mm -hmm. school or they don't actually work in a school. So the way that I view that role and what's fascinating is that there is no job description, right? Like here are the things you have to do, (laughs) but it's a totally choose your own adventure. It's a part-time elected role, um, which um, is really interesting because it can feel like a big full-time role, especially during budget season. So I think that in some ways it's a real privilege to be able to serve Uh, as an MPS school board director because it does take a lot of time and capacity. So you need to have supports to do that. I have a great family. Um, I have a great workplace at the medical college that cares about community engagement that will help me flex different things that can fit um, this big responsibility. So the way that I approach uh, my responsibility as a school board member is, you know, for folks that live in my area, making sure that I get back to them as soon as possible when they have um, things happening. What's really interesting is that we have people that live in your area, but then there are schools in your area as well that you might not actually represent them, but they're in your actual location. So really understanding what's happening in the schools in my uh, District 7 area and helping support um, educators, families there. And I prioritize that way because that's the way that I'm elected. Mm -hmm. But then thinking about, okay, like what are the wins things like nutrition, things like um, school safety that I can consider that are, are going to affect district-wide so that all kids can have a same strong quality experience in MPS. And I know you mentioned like the, the touch point thing, and I'm really interested in that. I think for some people, like it can be hard to understand why it's important, the school board is important in their life. Like for me, for example, I'm 25. I don't have a kid that goes to MPS. I'm not an MPS. I can see people like that being like, oh, like, I don't need to vote and it doesn't really affect me. So why for people that don't have a touch point in the schools is the school board very important to the city of Milwaukee as a whole? Yeah. So I think that if you are a homeowner, uh, schools directly affect your property value, who wants to move into your neighborhoods, what job opportunities are available close by. I think that when we're considering the education quality of an entire city. I think sometimes people think like, oh, like that's going to affect the future workforce. That's going to affect our future. It's actually affecting us right now, right? Because if you believe good governance and the idea of democracy, we created these systems so that they're public goods 
for the betterment of our society. So if I ran when I was 27 or 28, I, I just turned 28. I didn't have any, I did not have a child. I had not gone to MPS, but I did know that there were kids right now being underserved because of a lot of complexity, right? The state funding formula, um, having buildings that are in disrepair, not having enough educators because of things like um, Act 10 that affected the climate of education in Wisconsin. So all of those things affect your your neighbors. And I, I don't know if that's like really kind of like Pollyanna to think that we should be caring about the people that are next door. But I, I think that that's important. You can talk about taxes, you can talk about like all these other systems, but I don't know. I just feel like it's a moral imperative. So I think I've, I've literally drunk the Kool-Aid here. So it might be hard for me to convince like someone that, you know, isn't aloof for a bad reason, but it just yeah. doesn't feel relevant. Yeah. But I feel like you could always hit people with their dollar. Yeah. It's like, it costs more to live in Milwaukee. It, but why, mm-hmm. you know, some of the biggest things you pay for are schools. So like, how are we making sure that that dollar's worth it? Yeah. When you're coming into this role, what is something that you were excited about, maybe still are really excited to implement, that once you are in the politics of the school board have made it really challenging? And what challenges, what do those challenges say about policy landscape and making policy change in Milwaukee? So because of my experience with City Year and being closer to schools, volunteering, I think that I approach this work from a go public schools, go MPS. There's a lot of things happening. Um, There's a lot more collaborations that are going on. We have a lot of best practices in place. And after doing doors and, you know, I think having more of a microscopic view of like any sort of news alert that came out about MPS and like, oh, not everybody thinks that about mm-hmm. Milwaukee public schools, that mm-hmm. it's a great place to send your kid and that we have the best educators. And um, so I think that's been the biggest hurdle in trying to advance anything, right? So like my like big, hairy, audacious goal was like, okay, I live in this great neighborhood. How can I convince my friends that if they want to buy a house, not to go to Tosa, not to go to Brookfield, but just like to move close to me so I can live in an area <laughs> with all my friends and then we can send all of our kids to school, right? And kind of like do this own thing. But there's like so much complexity around understanding like, the enrollment process um, with MPS. There's so much complexity in understanding like what makes a quality school, especially when you have a lot of people, young people that are living in the city that didn't grow up in the city. So their experience is if I live in a geographic place, that's going to determine what access I have to like whatever school and even understanding what, what quality can mean. I think people will try to look for quick things. So it's like, Oh, it's a Montessori school. That must be good. Oh, there's like languages that must be good. Oh, it's a charter. That must be good. Oh, it's private school. It must be good. And the amount of work that it takes for a parent to figure out how to get their kid into a school in city proper Milwaukee, I think can be exhausting. So they say, okay, like, what's the closest place? Like, I can just, like, live somewhere and send them to a school and be done with it. Great, because I'm really busy. So I didn't think that that was something that I would be thinking about as much or trying to figure out in terms of communications around what's going on in MPS. How do we simplify in enrollment for folks? How do we 
get people actually in our schools. I, I took for granted that I had been in a lot of schools and seen a lot of great work. So um, in terms of, I think something that you were more talking about with different political things that have stifled stuff that I've wanted to work on. So we look at aggregate data. So something that I have been trying to do is, and I think the school board's done a great job about asking about is how do we disaggregate this data to actually see like what this actually represents. Mm -hmm. Something I think the public really cares about as well is like, how do we make things a little bit more clear instead of just giving us outputs like, oh, X amount of students are involved in um, a work readiness program, right? Like, what does that really mean? Like, what kind of valuable work are they getting mentorship? X amount of kids applied for FAFSA. That's great. But like, what supports do they actually have in terms of college readiness past entry? Because we know that we have difficulty having our students even complete college. So we talked about the superintendent just a little bit. Um, and I know there's recently been a new superintendent of MPS. Obviously, that relationship can either be very positive or tenuous at times. Mm-hmm. Can you just talk about the relationship between the board and the superintendent, how one gets selected, and then kind of how accountability happens of when people hear a bad story about MPS, they're like, damn, that superintendent, or like, <laughs> damn, the board. Like, how does that, how, does, how do you balance kind of accepting blame and responsibility or accepting positive comments as well? Sure. So in terms of the superintendent, so we have an annual review process where um, it's usually around like the board's three things. So like efficient operations, academic achievement, community involvement. So it's like how is the superintendent like working toward those three aims? He essentially does a mid-year review and then we have like a closed door meeting with him to talk Mm -hmm. to him about like what we see, what we've heard. Because be weird to have like your mid-year review with your boss in front of an audience, right? Like I think that's just like a human decency respect thing. And then we have a end of year review as well when we go over, you know, like where were there areas for growth? Where do we see that there have been a lot of wins? Dr. Posley, I think something that he's really cared about and been really focused on is building trust in the community, even though he's been around for 30 years, reintroducing himself as superintendent to members of the faith community, nonprofits, all of our schools, and even thinking about like every single person in the building. So from a building helper to the parent coordinator, to a para, to a student, like how am I making sure that I'm not losing sight of the lived experiences of all these people? In terms of sharing blame or or praise for like what's happening in MPS, that's something that I have like a critique, I guess, with how we view the superintendent role in the city. Mm So I've seeing this kind of cycle of like, okay, how do we get this person to come be this like heroic change maker for this district and like turn it around and be, you know, like this sort of savior, right? And it's an impossible sort of thing to put on one person. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, after like amount of time, one person isn't able to do it. So then they become the scapegoat for all these problems. And I think we really need to consider how are we approaching community work, right? Like how are we approaching empowering schools? In some ways I view it as different branches. So the superintendent, I mean, it's really, they're the person that we have charged to be in charge of all the operations, run the schools, present the budget, put all these things together. So you have to trust that the person that you're hiring is going to do all of those things because I do not want to do that as school board director, I feel like that's not my role. A lot of the things that I try to figure out is like what policies exist and are those right for right now? 
Um, do they have to be like improved if there's nothing there? Um, a few things that I'm working on right now are thinking about like cultural heritage months. How are we like really making sure that every school is celebrating every culture, regardless of like, who's represented in the building, improving some of the things around bullying so that we consider what happens on the school bus, that we can have things less fragmented, but like really have like a bigger picture around uh, anti-bullying efforts. Thinking about like school safety, you know, like we've heard from students that like it doesn't feel great, like walking through metal detectors. Like what data do we have that shows, you know, like metal detectors have prevented violence on campuses, you know, like and if that data isn't there, you know, like what can we do about creating a culture and climate that supports student learning? Right. Because we've heard students say that that doesn't help them. Right. So is there data to show that it does because it's prevented X, Y, and Z? And if not, like, how can we reconsider um, what we're putting in our schools? So I, I like the being heard part, and it is a perfect segue into my next question, which is the fact that most of the kids that are affected by the education system, the kids, like, actually in the school, they can't vote in the election for a school board, and they don't get to pick the superintendent, et cetera. And so how do you ensure as a board and, and as an individual that kids' voices are actually heard throughout the process Mm -hmm. and that the kids that are having the lived experiences in their schools uh, have a say in how the schools, you know, look and operate. Sure. So something that um, I really value about Superintendent Posley is that that's something, and Dr. Driver also did this, was making sure that they were in schools, like, every week as much as possible, actually talking to students. Every month, the school board hears from student leaders from different high schools in the area, I really appreciate like groups like LIT, so that's like a Leaders Igniting Transformation that are organizing students. I think that it's important that when students take the time and are organizing that we hear them. That's directly um, the people that have been talking about some of the school safety stuff, right? Like, why are you making us walk through these things? And, you know, it'd be great to be like, yeah, that's too bad. And then I'm like, wait, I'm a school board director. Like, I can totally change it. Right? Like, I mean, not me alone, but like mm-hmm. getting more information around that so that yeah. we can change those things. So I think that's been the biggest thing where people get burnout, which any sort of culture change work, that's easy to get burnout because you feel like you're kind of Groundhog's Day. Like, okay, I'm going to this listening session. Okay, I'm like doing this different thing. I feel like I've been saying the same thing for 10 years and like nothing's changed. So mm-hmm. if people are telling you something, listen and make that change now and and not feel like, well, you know, like this is like really complex and it's like, sure, but like, doesn't mean that we can't make things different. Kind of the main uh, idea of of the podcast is to get people inspired to action and to Mm -hmm. actually do things. So I know an earlier question of mine, I was saying like, how, how do you convince people that don't care about the school board to actually care? And so if those people actually listen to this and they're like, I do care, this is important. What are some good, like concrete action steps that everyday people can do to get more involved with MPS? Sure. So what's really interesting that I think people don't know is that people can visit schools in their neighborhood. You just have to like call the office and say like, hey, I'm interested in doing like a school visit or volunteering. And that is like a public right that like you are able to do that. So I always tell people like visit the schools like they're pretty great, like because kids are pretty great. Um, I think we've got an election coming up. Schools and Communities United have been organizing meet and greets with the candidates. So I think um, researching if you can, there's a city-wide candidate. So if you live in 
uh, Milwaukee, there's at least one person that you can vote for for a school board. And then there are four districts that have uh, elections. So Schools and Community United, they're organizing those meet and greets and panels. Um, Micah usually does one too. We have like committee meetings where there's always public testimony and we always love seeing new faces. Everything is online. So it's electronic school board. So ESB dot Milwaukee dot K-12 dot W-I dot U-S. Um, you can find all of the agenda items. Um, you can email governance at all of those long things to get a hold of the school board. There's a lot that people can do. I think there's a lot of MPS should. And MPS is who, right? The mm. director should. The superintendent should. Those teachers should. Those parents should. And a lot of people telling others when I think if you live in the city of Milwaukee and you care about kids, you have to think, like, what what is it that I can actually do? Well, this was wonderful. I learned a lot about the school board and all that you're doing. And thanks so much for being on the podcast. And more importantly, thanks for serving the city. Uh, and obviously, you really care about the city and, and the students. So thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Long-time listener, first-time guest. <laughs> Hope to be back soon. <laughs> I love the conversation we just had, but something that really stood out to me was actually a discussion we had shortly after the mic stopped recording. Talking about the experience of actually attending a school board meeting, I wanted to hear Paula's perspective on the process and the audience experience of those hours on weekday evenings. The journey can be a little cumbersome. What meeting should I attend? What are they talking about? What rules are they following? It can all be a little confusing and even daunting. Paula not only acknowledged this, but gave me a little history lesson on the rule of order and why it can at times feel like you need a degree just to follow the conversation. And sometimes just having someone acknowledge that it can be confusing eases the hesitancy in participating. So I encourage you all to go check one out yourself and know that you don't need to understand everything right away to leave more informed and aware of the education system surrounding our communities. Why should I care? I think that's the first question that people ask whenever they're presented with an opportunity to vote. Why should I care who my senator is? Why should I care who my governor is? Why should I care who my school board director is? And sometimes finding answers to the school board question can be a little harder. People don't really know what they do, uh, what the school board does. And I think Director Phillips made some really good points on why everyone should care about the school board, uh, regardless if they have a kid that goes to MPS regardless of they work at MPS. And I liked her answer because she said, you know, <laughs> everyone should care because we should be altruistic. Um, but understanding that people are busy and they, you know, can, are focused on their own lives, rightfully so, uh, you need to find a way to communicate that to people that, you know, aren't just doing it out of the goodness of their hearts. And so she really brought up a lot of these things about how schools are, you know, really tied to the property tax and the value of uh, your home and around your home that uh, you pay for it so you should want a, uh, an efficient use of your money. Now I really think she started to get at this the fact that you know schools are really civic institutions that touch everyone's lives. They, they keep kids fed. They allow opportunities for people that you work with every single day to get to hand their kids off to a, a safe place so they can go to work and they can you know be more productive for the city of Milwaukee. Schools employ a lot of your neighbors and your friends if they don't employ yourselves. These are really hubs of so much activity. There's often after-school activities. And schools, 
you know, aren't just where kids go to get educated. They really are cornerstones to the whole community. And when schools are doing well and when kids are doing well and when the people employed there are doing well, the city does well. The city is safer. The city is more productive. Um, and those are things that affect you regardless of if MPS is directly touching you or not. And so I encourage you all to really think deeply about the school board and how it affects you, school system and how it affects you. And the fact that there is a $1.1 billion budget, this is not chump change. This is a lot of money that we, as a collective, are investing into our own community. And so you should care about where that money is going, how it's being spent, and if the way it's being spent aligns with your values. All right, this takes us to the end of the 26th episode of Bridges City. And we want to thank director Paula Phillips uh, for her time and her talents in offering them both to the podcast. We really hope that you all enjoyed this interview and we have such a great action step for you all. And that is to figure out your school board district and then vote in the primary February 19th if you're in District 8. Everyone can vote in the general election on April 2nd don't forget to register to vote and bring a friend with you to the polls. Yes. General podcast news, if you've been following us on these social medias, mm. we do have a radio show now on River West Radio. It's essentially like Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, but better. Okay? Better, yeah. It's like NPR times This American Life. Wow. If I had to sum it up. So I it's agree. fantastic. So check out River West Radio. Support them. It's a really uh, cool community broadcasting network. Uh, and as always, if you enjoyed any episode or even we're neutral on any episode, <laughs> I please ask you, rate, comment, and subscribe on iTunes because this just helps other people discover the podcast. We think the podcast leads to people being more engaged in their community. The more people do that, the better the community. So you can do your small part by doing those three things. The number one people we need to thank is everyone that listens. Really keeps the podcast going. Uh, hopefully you're enjoying it and learning about some great action steps you can do in your community. So thank you all for helping us bridge, bridge the, the city. Bridge the city. Bridge the city. Yeah. Bridge the city. Yeah. Gotta bridge the city. The city. The city.